The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. And uh, for everyone in Googleization Nation, hope you're doing well, you're safe. Um, we're still kind of figuring out, uh, well, I think we know who our president's going to be, but, uh, we're still dealing with, uh, certainly a, a lot of unrest. Can uh, you believe it's a week? It's a week already that we, we did this. <laughs> last week we were here, we were, we were thinking, well, we don't know where we're going to be the day after the election. And, uh, here we still are. Yeah, no. And last week we, uh, we actually didn't know. Um, and no. based on where we were at that point, we thought the result was going to be a little bit different, but uh, still a lot of uncertainty. So we're still living in our VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Um, I just actually coined this. I looked up before uh, I came up with this VUCA-itis. Uh, yesterday I was feeling a little bit that way, a million things going on. Uh, and uh, somebody else actually wrote about it about six years ago. But uh, so there you have it. A um, couple, a lot of things going on. We got uh, some great guests today. We're going to be talking uh, with um, uh, Deb Fortin and uh, John Vincent, John Gregory Vincent. Uh, they are authors of a two books. Um, one is the Submarine Way, which is the focus of today's. Um, conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking about inclusion and leadership. Uh, they have a really, really interesting system. Uh, in fact, patent pending. So I want to find out about that um, and a great, great background uh, and what a, kind of a, a, an important topic. I know we've uh, been addressing that uh, several times over the last few months. And uh, we're going to continue on that conversation today. And we're going to continue it next week. And we got a super special guest next week. Um, so you'll have to stay tuned to find out who that is. Um, the uh, I did a little updating over the weekend. I think it was this weekend. Everything runs together, uh, as uh, my friend, uh, uh, one of my friends says, uh, it's Blur's Day. Blur's <laughs> so, Day. Yeah. Uh, Jason Averbuck. Um, to, too many names going through my head. Jason Averbrook uh, came up with that pretty early on in the uh, in the pandemic, and, and it was sort of like every day runs together. And so we, we've got Blur's Day uh, going on. Um, but uh, I updated the origins of my book, uh, which came, which ended up being the TED Talk, and then became Recruiting in the Age of Globalization. Original title, Mike, as you know, was When the Shift Hits Your Plan. Uh, and uh, it was it was a book about stats. Uh, I updated it with a couple new things, updated my video. Uh, you can get to that uh, at, just by going to uh, whentheshifthitsyourplan.com. Uh, it is available as a free download. Uh, and one of the facts that's in there, uh, I'd like you might have seen me say this or if people listen to my podcast before you might have uh, heard this. Um, 
you know, basically Amazon, you know, when we talk about change, how fast things are changing, especially in the HR world, uh, Amazon updates their software, their algorithm about every 11 seconds. So every time you go up there, they're looking at the data, they're making changes. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, it's not a complete makeover, uh, but they're adjusting that response. So when you go up, when you when you do a search and you want to buy a product and you look for something and then all the magically appears, hey, other people like you purchased this. Right. You know, how did they know <laughs> that I wanted that? Uh, and if enough people click on it, they continue it. If nobody clicks on it, they go, yeah, just an anomaly. And they remove it. So they're always doing those updates. And uh, again, I, I use that figure because uh, that stat, because it really indicates how fast the world is changing. Uh, and and but the other part is the other part is that probably in the time, which was maybe about 60 seconds that I was explaining that Jeff Bezos made two hundred and forty four thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, again, and I, helped, I helped contribute to a little small portion of that uh, yeah, just 30 yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. So uh, again, the, the book is filled with stat like that, stats like that, but more importantly, just put it into, into, into some relevance uh, of how our world is changing. And one of those areas happens to be uh, long diversity and inclusion and so forth. But before we get there, Mike, anything uh, new in your world? We sort of jumped into this. So. <laughs> Uh, it, well, nothing particularly new, but, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the algorithm being adjusted. And it reminds me of Netflix. Once it starts to figure out what you like, it makes recommendations. And to bring it back to our world, that's basically a different application of factor analysis that's used in personality assessments. Certain clusters of behaviors, traits, preferences tend to cluster together. And that's how Amazon and uh Netflix or any of the streaming services, that's how they get to learn who you are. Because if you like X, you may like Y that's very similar. And these systems are just getting tighter and tighter at being able to, to put information in front of you that you are going to like and want, as opposed to stuff that you're going to click away from. Pretty fascinating. And that's a great point. And, and, and it basically is back, you know, people look at, uh, you know, assessments sometimes as this crystal ball and this magic and right. And the reality is, is it's at a point now where most they're driven by data. I mean, yeah. there's so much data in there. This isn't somebody, a psychologist that came up with 20 questions and put it out there and he interprets it, um, you know, with software. I won't say it's AI, but with certainly predictive software out there, um, it, it's very, very accurate. And there's millions and millions of data points uh, that are there. There's millions of people that, that in the systems that you and I use and recommend um, they are out there and uh, they're, they're highly predictive. So yeah. great point. Um, and what we're moving toward is, uh, you know, certainly leadership, inclusion, diversity. Um, hopefully we're going to get to the point where software uh, is going to be able to help us not make those decisions, but help us identify where are inequities. Uh, how can we make that better? But in the meantime, we don't have that. Uh, what we do have is our guests today. Uh, and they've come up with a way, and uh, again, maybe in some of the background, they'll share with us um, that that it's very, very predictive in their process. Uh, I also, uh, I'm pretty impressed that they have a patent pending um, 
I, well, it's patent pending. Their process is patent pending. Uh, and they've and they're working a lot uh, with police forces, universities, communities, not only not only businesses. Uh, and certainly uh, that's pretty high up on the list as far as police departments uh, and what's going to go on there. In fact, in the graduate program that I'm teaching, that's one of the areas that we were talking about the other night. Uh, how can we improve that? How can we how can uh, or how can um government agencies change, how can police departments change to create a better environment? So we're going to bring on uh, Deb Fortin and uh, John Gregory Vincent, uh, and we're going to talk about the submarine way and we're going to talk, uh, inclusion and leadership. Welcome, Deb and John. Hello. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm outnumbered here. we got two Georgians today. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> all the way from that, down there. Um, intro, you know, you heard the intro, I think, Deb and John. Um, a little bit. Give us a little bit of background, because the, the backstory of how you guys got together, certainly talking about a sub and and you had, and John, you had um, extraordinary career at uh, Gallup. <laughs> so people are familiar with that from a leadership perspective. Deb, you've been working with Fortune uh, 300s, I think. For, all, for all kinds of large companies for a long time. Yeah. So you, you came, first of all, you came together, you combined several different areas of expertise uh, and put it together in the submarine. So whoever goes first. <laughs> well, it kind of starts with me. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and it get does. started. Yeah. So I had been in the corporate world running PL, sort of the traditional role in, in the corporate world for a long time. And, uh, you know, along with that, I had been doing uh, like building and evolving diversity and inclusion programs in the corporate world. Also did it as a volunteer. So I wrote for magazines and wrote articles and that type of thing. And uh, one year an organization came to me and asked me if I would speak at their annual conference. And I said, well, I'd be glad to do that. At the time, John was with Gallup and he was speaking all over the world. And quite frankly, he's one of the best speakers I've ever heard. So I, I offered him, um, by the way, John is my business partner. He's also my husband. So that's <laughs> so, I got, so I got that going for me. <laughs> so it was it was interesting we then kind of figured out uh what we were going to talk about and uh, you know i said john why don't you talk about your years on submarines he'd always said that you know he spent 14 years on submarines that uh they were the most inclusive environments that he had ever experienced i said why don't you talk about that there has to be a system and he said there's not a system and i said well you say that an entire submarine crew turns over every three years, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, so there's no degradation of uh, quality of service or the mission, right? And he said, no. And I said, well, I can tell you from my corporate back background, that means there's a system. Yeah. So we talked about it, we unpacked it, and there's a five-part system on every submarine. There's pieces of it in the Navy, but I think in the submarine, it's duplicated over and over again. And these five parts drive inclusion. Um, in fact, John used to say to me, which was so intriguing for someone who you know, was passionate about diversity and inclusion, that the minute boots hit the steel deck, people get focused on the mission. And over time, they really learn to be a team. We coined that phrase community, uh, which basically is a crew on steroids, right? It's it's a team on steroids. And so 
Uh, I, just we talked about it. I just want to emphasize that, Deb. It's crew immunity, right? So yes. Right. It's crew mutiny, right? Crew mutiny, yeah. We were on a show not too long ago where it was crew mutiny, and we went, oh, okay, that's a nice spin on it. But that's yeah, not- you don't want that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Washington. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another topic. So we spoke at this conference, and the reaction, there are about three or 400 people there, different community leaders, and the reaction was incredible. I mean, the city manager had tears in his eyes. Um, one of the largest uh, Baptist churches, the, the pastor said, how do I get yeah. this in my church? I want a more inclusive church. I want a more diverse church. How can I do this? And we got out to the car. As we're walking out to the car, people are following us yeah, out crazy. to the car. And I said to John, we have to do something about this. People are obviously hungry for a solution for us to be able to work together more effectively, to actually be productive citizens together towards a common goal. And so I started to write a book, realized that this five-part system, along with my corporate experiences going back a long time and John's uh, experiences on submarines, it was really a book. So I started to write the book, realized about four months into it that I was not meeting all the publisher's goals because I was also still in the corporate world. So I quit my job with no plan B, which I've never done before, um, finished the book, and it became a bestseller on Amazon almost right away. And then the phone started to ring, and communities and businesses started calling us and asking us to either speak. Um, we, did a, we did a book tour. Uh, or they asked us if we could come out and help their organizations with this five-part system that people were so intrigued with. And um, I launched the company. John was still with Gallup at the time. And I launched the company, brought in some of the people that I had known in my, my corporate world, corporate experiences, to, to join me to help build it. And that was four years ago. And we're touching communities, universities, businesses all over the place and really excited about the very tangible difference that we are making out there. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Did I miss I anything? I get to talk? There? Yes, no, you did. No, you I think probably it's what really caught on. And, and, and in order to get a, a, a published patent on a business model, you got to A, be unique, but B, you have to prove it actually does something. And, and although everyone probably says, of course, we believe in equity and inclusion and diversity, the bottom line is we've been pretty lousy at changing anything. In fact, I opened that speech um, by simply saying everyone in this room completely believes in this or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be at this annual conference on equity and inclusion. But the bottom line is here we are at the time, you know, it was four or five years ago. 96% of Fortune 500 CEOs look like me. They're white guys. It's not working. And the reason it's not working is the way you drive change, whether it's law enforcement, universities, businesses, is you have to appeal to the bottom line. And equity and inclusion is so much more than the right thing to do. It's actually the most powerful driver of productivity when it's done properly. So it's a business strategy. And so, so we approach equity and inclusion, and we always say that first, because good luck recruiting a diverse population. If you don't have equity and inclusion in your organization, that's a really short-term employee because they're going to people are going to go, "Wow, look at the black guy!" Uh, and, and right, so so you have to address it as a business strategy, starting with equity and inclusion, driving diversity, and this is very much a business model. That yes, it's the right thing to do, but we have to approach it for what it is, which is a really really powerful driver of of KPI, which is which is I think our unique, if you will, sometimes abrasive, sometimes we scare people. 
um, view. If if you're if you're not familiar with um, her, um, and again, I've interviewed her a couple times, um, is uh, uh, her name's uh, Solange Shira. Um, she has a company called HC Moneyball, and I've interviewed her a few times. Uh, she's actually she came from HR, but she's uh, you know uh, dyed in the wool, as she describes herself. These are her words: dyed in the wool data scientist. She's a data geek. And what she's focused on is exactly like you said, equity. When you have truly, you, if you have an inclusive environment and equity doesn't, you could be inclusive and not equitable. Yes. So there's a difference. Yeah. So she's driven to have not only have diversity, which is just meeting EEOC guidelines, it's just numbers, it's just stats, um, but really focus on the equity piece. And she has the data uh, from from what she's done to verify what you're talking about as KPI. So you can look her up. I'm happy to make an intro, uh, but you you guys definitely should follow up because she's she's not doing the training per se. She's setting the model in place. Yeah, uh, so there may be a, a good synergy there. Uh, and uh, again, we we talk about that all the time. So what what are these five compartments? Um, and and maybe before we get there too, one either one of you is can you, we, we throw these terms out, diversity, inclusion, and equity. In your world, how do you define the difference between those? And then kind of walk through those steps. Yeah, uh, diversity is the mix, and inclusion is making the mix work. And I love John's definition of equity, so I'll, I'll let you define equity. Yeah, when, when, when you look at it, what, what equity is, is we are usually talent-based. Um, every person brings unique talents, right? Your, your talents you know, are different than, than Michael's talents, different than Deb's talents, different than my talents. But if you tap into people's talents, you're really tapping into their value that they, that they can be the best at. It's, this is very submarine-ish. Uh, a bunch of 20-year-olds with high school diplomas running the most sophisticated vessel ever created, including the space station. You know, these are people that you wouldn't let do a storeroom inventory. Uh, so how does this work? It's because they tap into the talent. The other beautiful thing about talent, which is our word for equity, is talent's blind. I don't care if you're male, female, rich, poor, what your background, you went to an Ivy League school, you went to a state college. If you've got the talent to be developed into, into strengths that can be aimed at a role, getting, getting things done, that is a very powerful part. Now, you take your talent and you combine it with the other three, four, five people on this call and however many uh, people are listening or watching. Now you have inclusion. Our definition of inclusion is two parts. First, it has to be interdependent. And then you have to be collaborative. We always throw out the collaborative word. It's so nice. Let's be collaborative. We're collaborative. a very collaborative organization. The bottom line is human beings are not naturally collaborative. We're tribal and especially under pressure, we, we're the only people we'll count on on ourselves unless you show that, hey, their talent is so powerful that if it's combined with my talent, I'll be better. So once you become interdependent, you can do what we do very well in submarines, which is work with people we can't stand. And we're doing this for months at a time, and we're never more than 10 feet apart. But how does that work? Because I need that person who has talent that I don't have, that has expertise I don't have. Once you become interdependent, then you can become collaborative. Now you're creating an inclusive environment. So that's the equity and inclusion piece. And we make sure it's always aimed at a specific result. Right. Um, and, and then, then the diversity is the mix. And it could be a mix of, it could be gender-based. It could be ethnicity. It could be 
um, diversity of thought. And a lot of times people don't think about that, but diversity of thought is also very important to have an effective community. So what, so I, again, in the headlines, and then again, I want to bring this up because obviously doing this in business is important. Doing it in our communities is critical um, because there's obviously a lot of unrest that's come to light um, this year. Uh, with social injustice. Um, and so you, you're working with police departments and they're on the hot seat. Uh, they're, they're, and, and it's not going to go away with the change of election, who's ever, who's ever in the office. Um, it, you know, it, it might've been tamped down right now, but it's going to come back. So what, what's your approach? How are you going in? What are you doing differently uh, with that? Well, it, it kind of goes back to what John said a minute ago. We're, we're teaching them to appreciate internally because we really feel like you have to be healthy internally before you can be healthy externally. So we're teaching them to have better appreciation for each other, to, to have talent-based thinking in, in how they think. We're giving them the skills that each one of them understands that they're, they're a leader and they have a decision to make. And if you know, one of the things is if, if they see something in in their role as, as a police officer that that isn't appropriate, it isn't right, they're a leader. They can call that out and they should call that out. Um, so there's there's some ethics training in there. There's some leadership training in there. There's the strength based view in in our training as well. And I believe that they like it because it gives them different tools to think about themselves. And then they point that towards the community. So I'll, I'll let you elaborate on that because John works directly with our police departments. Yeah, um, for, first of all, and this doesn't apply just to police departments, it's particularly uh, applicable now because of the rightful pressures and, uh, and uh, microscope they're under. But nobody likes to be lectured and nobody likes to be told you're screwed up, shut up and do this. Right. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, the reality is, is there's some norms, especially in police departments, um, that have to be broken. And one of the norms is sort of the, the whole fact of holding each other accountable is sometimes is sometimes looked at, and it's literally right out of the movies, almost snitching, almost like, hey, that's not something I want to do. I don't want to be looked at as a. When you can change that mindset, that imagine all the problems you can prevent by just simply saying, hey, Bob, man, can I talk to you for a minute? Just you and Bob, no sergeant, no lieutenant, no internal affairs. And some things obviously are too big to do that with. But the vast majority, if you just start holding yourself accountable and others accountable and have this leadership mindset, you can do so much. I, I cannot stand, most police or departments are fine. They just have some bad apples. That's such a ridiculous, it's like saying Southwest Airlines only has a few really horrible pilots. Who would ever say that? The, the, the bottom line is that that's an excuse for addressing some of some of the issues. The vast majority of police are amazing people doing amazing stuff for nothing. But there are things that have become systemic. Look the other way. It's kind of how we've done things that just simply are not not acceptable. Yeah. And you have to present that, though. But you're talking to professionals that are open. And this is my takeaway for your audience. We don't ever come across police departments that are like, shut up, get through it, it's mandatory, and let us go back to knocking heads. They don't like to be perceived the way, in some cases, rightfully they're perceived. 
They want to do better, but they need guidance. And that guidance can't be a lecture and it can't be a baseball bat and it can't be a threat because who the heck responds to that well? So I think it's our delivery and the fact that we're approaching them from a bit of a cerebral, but also from a very practical way on how they can be better internally. And then when they show up on a scene, they're coming with the best mindset, which is we want this to end well for everybody. At the same time, we need to protect ourselves and other people. There's an old expression that's very true. If you're a hammer, everybody's a nail. So if you show up at, at somebody's house and you're expecting it to go badly, it's going to end badly. If you show up with the mindset, how do we make sure this ends best for all, including the safety of the officers, you tend to have very different outcomes. First, you change mindset, then you change behavior. It works quite well. What's the problem? Oh, go ahead. Tools that they can, they can use in right. difficult situations that they can call on, call on those tools. Okay. So obviously, they're... The, the police departments, the police forces don't live on an island. I mean, no. they're in the communities and they're going to be tested uh, as well. So what going into these communities, working with with the police departments as you have, what's that look like? I mean, what is it? It's obviously not going in. Hey, we're going to have DNI day uh, and you'll get, as you said, your check mark. Uh, it, it's got to be a process. It's got to be ongoing. Um, it you is. know. Just give a hint. We we have about five minutes here or so. But what what's the kind of start? What if somebody says we're interested, but how do we get involved? How long does it going to take? What's it look like? Yeah. So it's uh, it, it could be anywhere from a six month program to a year program. It really depends on the the amount of time that that they have to spend on it. And like we said, it, we work first internally so that they begin to hold have the tools to hold each other accountable to have really healthy conversations. Uh, we don't shy away from conflict. We think, in fact, one of our courses is, is called Positive Conflict because unless you're willing to have those tough conversations, then you're not really willing to hold each other accountable. So that first starts internally, giving them the language, the tools, the okay to really have those conversations internally. And then it gets pointed at the community. And a lot of times, you know, for example, one of the one of the police departments we work with, we're actually also working with and coaching the diversity inclusion officer from that community. So we're 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 putting the community and the community leaders along with the police department together, and having having them work with with the community. A lot of what happened a number of years ago is that the investment in police officers being actually out in the community and walking around and getting to know people, that investment got taken away through no fault of their own. That's an important investment because even in terms of solving crimes, you can solve a crime with intel from the community, but you have to be close enough to the community to get that intel. And so, you know, that's really how it works internally first, learning how to communicate, have healthy conflict, and then working with the, the other leaders like the diversity and inclusion officers from, from the city and then pointing that towards the community and reestablishing those relationships with, with the community. In fact, we are working on a, a coalition of leaders where we're building specifically a neighborhood policing series of courses. And these are you know, former mayors, they're you know, people who are police officers, uh, New York City police officer who, who worked with Governor Cuomo on some 
some some work that um, that he needed done. So these are really talented people who have experience, and we're working on building a series of, of courses um, that really help train the police to be more effective in the community. But quite frankly, we're giving them the tools to be effective in the community if they will if they will make sure that they invest in that and they spend the time in the community because that's that that's critical, obviously. But we, you know, we also work with businesses in, in the same way, very, very similar approach. I think police officers have a, a unique challenge. And so we're, you know, we're able to specifically address that unique challenge, but um, it's, it's extremely rewarding. Everything we're doing, whether it's a business or whether it's, uh, you know, a community, it's very, very rewarding to walk away and know that you've made such a huge difference. People have different language, they have a different way of looking uh, at the situation. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line uh, becomes much bigger. I mean, when we're talking about the bottom line of a police department, it, it's not literally that they made the budget, but it's that it's much safer, healthier, more positive. Um, and and the, uh, you know, the collateral impact of that is downstream is just tremendous. And, and we really need that. So you're, you're doing a great mission there. Um, how how do people get a hold of you? You got two books. Uh, the Submarine Way, Up Periscope. Obviously, you go to Amazon, learn a little bit more about you. I assume that's the best place to go is, is up on Amazon. Uh, we, are, we are the easiest people in the world yeah, to find. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we can, wouldn't be good in the uh, in the witness protection program. Uh, <laughs> so you can, you can Google the Submarine Way, and you can find out all about us as individuals. You can Google our names. Uh, you can find our books. Uh, you can either buy them from the website, and they're a little bit less expensive on the website if you want to buy them on the website. They're also autographed. If you have a trusted right. relationship with Amazon, buy them on Amazon. Yeah. You can do that too. Or you talked about Barnes and Noble earlier. You can you can get them anywhere. You can even get them internationally. They're available. We have a, a pretty large audience internationally, so we're very very easy to find. Um, if you go out to our website, there's contact me buttons all over the place, and that goes directly to our calendar, and you can set up a you know time on our calendar with us so yeah. we would love that pretty pretty much the submarine way is everywhere the youtube channel is called the submarine way the vimeo channel the submarine way the linkedin company page the submarine way the website the submarine way <laughs> uh, you know if you can figure out the dot com part you can pretty much find us but uh, yeah those are our two books diversity inclusion the submarine way uh was the one that started the company and then up periscope uh, Putting a, a quick interesting story is our clients actually, our, our uh, partners, our clients actually asked for that book. They wanted a distilled manual of leadership based on our principles because it's not leadership or inclusion, it's leadership through inclusion. That's the most effective way for a company uh, or a municipality or, or anyone else to approach these topics. You don't separate them. They're one and the same. Well, I hope a lot of people are listening to this message. Um, we really need it. I mean, not only in corporations and business, because we're doing a horrible job there, um, but obviously it would be great to have um, our police uh, on the right, not that they're not on the right side, but that we have a higher esteem for them. Um, and that uh, we're at that's this tipping point, maybe a reckoning day. Uh, and uh, again, powerful message, powerful solution. I uh, wish you guys the best of luck uh, for for our sake. <laughs> I I hope that mess that you're incredibly busy and go out and and uh, can can help save the world. Absolutely. So, yeah, we we appreciate uh, appreciate you appreciate Michael. We appreciate you uh, having us on. And I'd like to wish all my fellow veterans happy, happy Veterans Day. Day. Thank you for what you've done. Okay. Hey, thanks very much, guys. We'll be Thank talking you. soon.
Uh, we are going to take a quick break, uh, as we usually do. Uh, we'll be back in about two minutes. You're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, and on the flip side of this, uh, we're going to bring on uh, Joyce Joya from uh, the Herman Group. And we're going to talking again, we're going to be talking about ahead of the curve, normal 2.0, and ties in today's topic, empathy in the normal mm, 2.0. Very timely. Very, yes, very much so. So we will be right back. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800 803-4303. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift. But do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. We are back, skeezers. and are. Uh, I'm Ira Wolf, your host, and my guest co-host is Mike Scrimoli, and we will be joined in uh, just a second with Joyce Joya. There she is. There she hey, is. Great to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Michael and Ira. Yeah, I know Joyce, were- I, I got to say, b- before we, before Ira gets going here, I uh, subscribed to your trend report last week. That's gold. Anyone who is wanting to literally stay ahead of the curve, they, they need to get that. Lots of great information in there. So I just wanted to mention that to you. Thank you, Michael. That's, I, I work very hard every week to make sure that I have really good quality and uh, helpful information. Well, not only is the, is the quality good and, and succinct and to the point, it's stuff that I haven't seen floating around out there. So it's obvious that you're being proactive in finding this information and compiling it as opposed to just you know, taking a feed from someplace. So uh, very, very solid and useful information. So just wanted to mention that to you. Thank you. As a futurist, I scan a lot of publications every week looking for the trends. Yes, Ira. 
Yeah, and just to let everybody know, I mean, it's not just HR. We we live in this world, and that's a lot of our target. But uh, you're talking about business trends. Uh, um, I, I know I don't know what this week's issue is, I, uh, but I know you've talked about like hotels and travel and transportation. What that's going to look like? Obviously, it affects HR, but it's not specifically just HR topics. So. Yes, I I like to say I, I enjoy playing in a lot of sandboxes. <laughs> you do. I have a very low threshold of boredom, and it's one of the ways that I handle that. <laughs> why we've been friends for 20 years, something like that. Probably uh, so, my friend. Probably so you, so. You're in the background. You know, I, I get your chats. I appreciate the, the commentary back and forth uh, while we've got our other guest on. Um, you know, certainly in need. I uh, love, love their approach. Um, high in need. And again, we're going to be talking, we talked about leadership last week. We're talking about empathy this week. Uh, maybe one of the future ones will be diversity 2.0 or inclusion 2.0. Uh, for sure. For sure. And uh, I, I think that what Deb and Michael, uh, it is Michael, I think. John. Uh, yeah. What John, John, John yeah. talk about is so important. I mean, those guys are right on with what they're talking about. And it's, it's interesting that years ago, my late partner and I, Roger Herman, did a study for the Department of Education and DOE at the Office of Vocational and Experiential Education wanted to know why the military is so much more effective in holding on to its young adults than the community colleges. Because, of course, whatever it was that they were doing, they wanted to pick up and do, you know, give to the community colleges. Well, it was a 54-page report, very extensive. We went to Washington, did our dog and pony show, and they said, thank you very much. We're concentrating on literacy right now or no child left behind or whatever it was, but not, (laughs) not on what we had just done. But what we learned was that teamwork is so important. The idea of uh, no teammate left behind, of all for one and one for all, which is part of, by the way, being an employer of choice, part of the book that I wrote, How to Become an Employer of Choice. But anyway, we're digressing, and I'd, I'd really like to talk about empathy a little bit. May I have I your permission? Way because I, again, with teamwork, I'm not sure how you have successful teamwork uh, without empathy. I mean, just because you get along or you you suppress conflict, you know, just because it looks good on the surface doesn't mean that um, you, you've achieved that level of empathy that we need today. Yeah, so. uh, there have been times when I've struggled with people who were supposed to be my leaders and instead they were managing me and it was because of a lack of empathy. They didn't realize what was going on with me. We define empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And clearly, those managers, not leaders, and I believe we manage things and lead people, uh, were not able to find the empathy that I needed to be good leaders for me. But yesterday, I was in a marketing conference, a marketing conference, and what they talked about was how important empathy is, that it's really critical for marketers in these days and times. So this is, this is a concept that, that I'm seeing as a leitmotif through 
all kinds of areas of business, not just HR and leadership, but all kinds of areas of business. And I want to share that I got turned on to the little book that I used as kind of a model for this particular Herman Trend Alert by a mutual friend of ours, Jennifer Leak. And Jennifer said, there's a little book from the Harvard Business Review called Empathy. And I ordered it immediately. And I was just fascinated by it. Because in it, Daniel Goleman talks about, and by the way, he's the father of emotional intelligence. He talks about the fact that we have three kinds of empathy. And I thought that that was fascinating because I always thought that empathy was empathy. But he said that we have cognitive empathy, which is our ability to see the world through another person's eyes. Uh, Emotional empathy, which is the ability to actually feel what someone else feels. And I guess that's how I had in the past, I had in the past defined empathy. And then finally, empathetic concern which Goldman defined as the ability to sense what someone else needs from you. I mean, it's like sometimes you and I will be talking and I'll open my mouth to say something and you'll answer my question before I have asked it. And, and that's because I, I always thought that that was that we were in sync, but it's because there's an empathetic concern that you have for me that allows us to work so well together. So, I, so the th- the three, um, I guess the word that gets going through my head, and I guess this is where it gets soft or or, or not, is compassion. So, where does yeah. it cross the line between yeah. standing in somebody else's shoes? Yeah, very and- interesting. How, how does compassion relate with empathy? Right. Mm-hmm. So, one of the articles in this neat little book, which you can pick up on Amazon for not very much money, is uh, an article by the Dalai Lama. And he talks about, he believes that uh, compassion actually takes empathy to the next level. That, uh, and I once had a spiritual teacher and I asked him, what was the most important thing about being a human being on this planet. And he said, having compassion. And to have seen the Dalai Lama's words kind of echoed from so many years ago was just a a fascinating experience for me. What the Dalai Lama said is that it has a hugely positive effect, that empathy has a quote-unquote hugely positive effect on the relationships that we have in the workplace. And of course, we would agree. And, And also, he also mentioned that the absence of compassion leads to dysfunction and discord and conflict and all of those things that we don't want in our workplace, of course. So we can we we can we can launch into a, uh, a Washington tirade, right? Oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to go there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to no, go there. No, no. Uh, you you mentioned earlier about how you su- were surprised with marketing. Um, yeah. 
And you would you would think, I mean, because ultimately that's what marketing was, uh, especially with through visuals and ads is is trying to to walk in somebody else's shoes. So the, the very base level of empathy. Um, but a friend yeah. of mine, uh, you know, like, I, I just want to say something really quickly. Interestingly enough, before I got into HR, I was in marketing and I was an award winning copywriter, actually. And the way that I write copy is I imagine my audience and I look out through their eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Now, tell me about your friend. Yeah. So De her name's Debbie Levitt. Uh, for those of you who have heard me speak or, or seen, you know, the presentation, your candidate experience is all FCD'd up, you know, all left up, uh, which stands for frustration, confusion, disappointment and distraction. It was these are the issues that other people, the emotions other people feel when when they go through. Uh, a user experience, especially with technology. Um, but she wrote a book, uh, and part of that, it's called Delta CX. You can get that up online. Uh, sure. Uh, CX is customer experience. But she has, she has a, a, a whole chapter in there. She interviewed a, a psychologist friend of her, and it was about empathy. And that was the first time that was injected into it. And so even if marketers get it, and then they go to the people who design the website, they design the experience, if there's no empathy, because it was it was ones and zeros that they put together and somebody comes right. up with great this concept and they understood it. And then it goes back to ones and zeros. And <laughs> there was no empathy there. You know, it was always frustration, confusing, distracting and disappointing the whole experience. So, uh, yeah, so it, it is absolutely getting embedded further down. And I know she and I have talked even about how do you hire UX people, user experience designers that have empathy. And that's not how they were brought up. That's not how they were trained. <laughs> yeah, it, clearly. And if they're data people, even less, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, but it's really important to have empathy no matter who you are or what you do, even if it's a matter of relating with your family, right? Mm -hmm. You you want to be able to... You to, need to be with family. <laughs> yeah, especially, right? Um, and there are times when that's hard because mm -hmm. the time that people typically need love most from us is the time that people are feeling the most unlovable. Hmm? Mm -hmm. And that's when we need to have the greatest amount of compassion and empathy. So, Joyce, what's online for next week? Oh, next week we're going to do hotel hacks in normal 2.0. That'll be interesting. Um, because I, 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 I look forward to that if I ever see the inside of a hotel again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know what's interesting. I I wrote it from the hotel point of view, but when I come here next week, I'm going to address it also from the consumer point of view, because my husband and I, uh, I demanded it, <laughs> silly me, uh, I went on an adventure and we drove for six hours from Austin up to a place called Quana, Texas to go see the Perseid media shower. And we stayed in a hotel overnight and we went to the park to go see the Perseid meteor shower and it was totally overcast. But, <laughs> but the experience of taking that car trip mm 
the experience of going on airplanes, and I have a lot of experience going on airplanes, and I can tell you how I'm going to operate differently in December when I'm going to Mazatlan, because I'm flying to Mazatlan, and it's not going to be the same experience that I've had in the past when I rode on airplanes. But there are some things that you can do if you're planning to stay at a hotel, depending on the length of time you're staying, to prepare, and I'm going to do some extra preparation that was not in my Herman Trend Alert that I'm going to be share with, sharing with everybody next week. Okay. And uh, next week's segment, uh, we got a real rock star coming on. I don't know if you're familiar with them, uh, Joyce, but uh, Torin Ellis, you know, you know Torin Ellis? Um, He's, uh, he actually has a show on uh, Sirius XM. Uh, he's one of the top keynoters. Um, passion, I mean, he has, he t- we talk about inclusion, diversity. Um, he, he's a straight shooter. He doesn't hold back. Um, and uh, we're, he, he's going to be our, our guest next week uh, as well. And uh, so that'll be a, a great tie-in and a follow-up uh, to what we talked about this week with uh, with Deb and John. And John, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. About the, yeah, about the submarine way. Uh, so again, we are. Uh, yeah, the time just goes crazy fast, uh, especially. It does. During, it yeah. just flies so by. Just all my week, really. It's yeah, just yeah, so, and so, I, and I like it. I, I like it. I mean, <laughs> we cover a lot. And we give people a taste, and then they'll keep coming back. Right? That's good marketing. Hopefully, uh, if people want to sign up. For my Herman Trend Alert, they can go to www.hermantrendalert.com. And, and, and as I said, please do. So. And while they're there, if they want to reach me, they can always click on contact us and get to me. You are listening uh, again to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization show, another great show. We're going to, we talked about uh, inclusion, empathy, and um, next week we're going to be talking about uh, more inclusion. Uh, with Torin Ellis, and we're going to be talking about hotel hacks. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, people will be able to get back there and and learn how to plan because it's going to take definitely more planning. Um, thank every thank you, uh, Googleization Nation, for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing that, uh, letting other people know. Uh, please subscribe up on our podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, we're now on Amazon. Um, you name it, we're we're there. Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter at googleizationnation.com. And uh, until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Hey, 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 hey.